This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for making this a part of your morning routines. It's very much appreciated. I hope you're doing good and I hope you've had a good week so far. Uh, of course, you've made it to Friday. In fact, I know for those here in the UK, you've made it to what is, at least for the school that I used to work at, the last day before the summer holidays. A big, big day indeed uh it might not be for everybody but uh for kids around the uk i'm sure it's reaching that point for parents an absolute nightmare but uh you know for the teachers and sort of things always an exciting day so if you are enjoying yourselves this friday the 21st of july i hope you had a fantastic time good morning though to everybody else joining us in the chat box hope you're doing good and well uh nav pj cole uh we've got steven lars steve martin stevie James, Francois, Anthony, Emmanuel, Matt G, uh, Gula Jake, Olu, Vivian, Darren, Blackshine, Kaiser, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And for those listening on Catch Up as well on audio and YouTube platforms also. Without further ado, let's go into today's stories. But make sure that if you haven't already, to drop a like on the video. It takes just a second, and it really does help us out just below the video. Little thumbs up. Give it a click. Caress that like button, if you will. Right then. Uh, Kai Havertz responded to his critics after scoring in the MLS All-Stars game, tweeting... Have that, <laughs> which is absolutely fantastic. He received undue stick um, after that skills challenge and then scored, and pretty much the silence was deafening. I wrote a piece on this yesterday talking about how there was so much noise about his failure in the MLS skills challenge, but his success in the actual game of football was not given anywhere near as much uh, attention. I mean, the fact that there were like people on... Like Rory Jennings, for instance, took a whole moment on TalkSport to, to talk about this, which I found really strange. Talk about his football. Why are we reacting to a skills challenge? You know, I hope that after he scored, we can, with his first shot, 
Um, you know, I think we should certainly be looking at that as the uh, as the matter of focus rather than a skills challenge. Uh, but Kai says, in all seriousness, really nice feeling to get my first Arsenal goal. Thank you to the fans for the amazing support this week. So have that, guys. Um, Arsene Wenger has been has been telling uh, Bakaya Saka to use his right foot more. Uh, Tim Lewis, who is the uh, executive vice chairman at Arsenal now, did an interview with The Telegraph in which he was talking uh, about bringing in Arsene Wenger. He says it was great to take Arsene down to the dressing room. Bakaya didn't know him, but he called him boss immediately. He was boss. He was saying, how else, how can I improve? And Arsene very dryly said, I think you can use your right foot a bit more. That wasn't a very good French accent. Uh, should I even attempt it? Probably not. <laughs> but uh, that's what he said to Bakaya Saka. And uh, certainly, I think we've seen Saka use that right foot significantly more in the uh, wake of that. We've seen him score against uh, Leeds United. Remember that smashing right shot he scored against them? He scored that goal against England as well uh, in his hat-trick recently of his right foot. It's definitely become a part of his game that has made him more unpredictable and uh, successfully more successful, uh, which is fantastic to see. Lewis also admitted about the change uh, that happened after the kind of the, the big takeover, if you like. He says, I think he, Stan, was in a different frame of mind, having taken 100% control when he was asked about um, kind of the, the ownership. Uh, Josh Cronkey saying my family really took ownership of the club in 2018, um, despite the fact that they had a majority since 2011. And it's been something that I've talked about at length, you know, as well. It's been something that I've talked about um, specifically about what's changed since 2018, what's gone on since then, how has the ownership perspective on the club changed since that point? And I think we all know that there's been a greater amount of investment. I think we all know there's been a greater incentive since they have taken full control of the club to press ahead with plans to make it more successful. Now, some people, and I understand, will be frustrated with the years since 2007 to 2018 where there was very little investment. That said, there was suggestions back in 2007 that there was a willingness from KSE to invest in Arsenal. Uh, a report by The Guardian suggested that Arsene Wenger effectively turned down that as well. So really, really um, kind of interesting how it's now the dynamic of everything has changed since 2018 and we've taken over the club uh, and pushed it forwards in a direction that we want to see it go in. Uh, moving forwards to uh, the squads in America, both Emile Smith-Rowe and Thomas Partey have now both linked up with the squads. Uh, Smith-Rowe was obviously seen on the pitch after the game against the All-Stars. They could be in contention to feature uh, against Manchester United tomorrow evening. Uh, if not, of course, they'll be in contention to face Barcelona in Los Angeles in uh, a few days' time in, on Thursday next week. So we will hopefully see both players involved in some shape or form. I think there's a lot of people that are very interested to see if Thomas Partey and Declan Rice can play together and how the dynamic of both those playing together might work. I hope that's something that we will see this season. I think it's a great opportunity to use both players against Manchester United away from home against Manchester City at Anfield, places like this. I think you can use both players to great success. I'm moving into a couple of transfer stories. First of all, Arsenal's transfer target of the past, Moussa Diaby, is set to move to the Premier League, but it will not be 
with Arsenal. Uh, Aston Villa are the side that have agreed a significant deal with Bayer Leverkusen to sign the French international. He will move in a deal which will cost upwards of £40 million in total. But the initial fee is said to be around £35 million, uh, which is a very reasonable amount of money. Uh, there is significant add-ons in this deal, which, of course, take it up. Um, so, But the suggestions that a £35 million uh, pound fee figure has been talked about. But there are conflicting reports on this. I saw Fabrizio Romano suggest that it was a final €50 million Euro fee with €10 million Euros in add-ons. So there's a bit of confliction around there about how much this costs, uh, but it seems that €40 million plus is what they will at least get uh, guaranteed and then add-ons taking it up to around €60 million Euros potentially as well. When you change the currencies, it starts to get complicated, I know. Have Arsenal missed out on the player? Well, uh, if we haven't, uh, it's probably because we may be moving for somebody else. That somebody else could be Mohamed Kudus of Ajax. Of course, the Ghanaian international has been linked with Arsenal already this winter. Sammy Mottbell of the Mail suggesting that he is a key uh, figure in Arsenal's list of potential moves for the player. And if you want to get some information about Mohamed Kudus, I recommend going and watching back our tactical breakdown that we did yesterday evening on Kudus. We talked about the dynamic between him and uh, and Diaby. We talked about kind of the how they're different why it would make more sense for Arsenal to sign Kudus in comparison to Diaby and why he's better suited to Arsenal than what Diaby is. Potentially why as well that Aston Villa are the side that are signing Diaby and not maybe another top club playing at the top of the uh, table in either the Champions League or even in Europe. You know, Aston Villa are pushing to try and get their, their, their European qualification next season. They've spent a lot of money to be able to do that. Um, but Jack Grealish, you know, when he left Aston Villa... They signed the likes of Danny Ings, Emi Buendia uh, and Leon Bailey to try and replace him. And he was a better player than what, obviously, uh, Musa Diaby is. And yet, uh, they're bringing in a player now to still try and replace that fact. But Uno Emery has done good things there. He's taken them forwards as a club. But there is a really good discussion at the end of this tactical breakdown with me and Drew. If you want to go back and listen to that, I would recommend that you do so. Right, let's move to part two and your questions right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Make sure to get your tickets for the events uh, that will be taking place on Sunday the 13th of August in London. As Leslie says in the chat box, the link in the episode description. Make sure you get hold of your tickets. Uh, come down, join plenty of us at the Mild May Club in Newington Green on that Sunday, the day after um, the game against Nottingham Forest. I'll be joined by Harry Simeu, FK, Mike and Bailey uh, for a great evening of Arsenal chat, discussing the game the day before, looking ahead and playing some fantastic games and taking your questions as well. So make sure if you haven't yet bought a ticket that you get hold of them because they're going like hotcakes. Right, let's go into the chat box then and answer some of these questions. Uh, Sega says, what positions do you think complete this squad? How will Arteta keep the squad happy? Through rotation is the answer to the second question, giving opportunities and minutes, but also being competitive. If you look at Manchester uh, City, there's plenty of players in that team that haven't played loads and loads and loads of minutes. However, the squad remain happy because they are competing for the best and biggest titles in the world. And if you can give that guarantee that you will compete and attempt to win those those titles, it becomes much easier to justify giving players fewer minutes across the course of the season. In regards to the first question, I still think that we need to bring in a forwards, a, a competitive option to Bakaya Saka, and I think Kudus would, would bring that, certainly. I think another central midfielder will also be uh, a potentially another really good addition. And I still think there's potentially even scope at right back to add something that's more akin to what we see with Kieran Tierney, someone that overlaps a lot more frequently, maybe a Jeremy Frimpong that I've reported before that the interest in him from Arsenal has certainly been genuine and that the club have taken a keen interest in him and others. But maybe those three areas are areas which we can uh, recruit in. Striker is an obvious one, but I don't think you're going to see that happen this summer. It's just my prediction. Right. Uh, let's go to Alex says, seeing as the last one did so well, what are the chances of seeing another Amazon TV documentary at the club maybe there's potential for that to happen what i would say is that you know i don't necessarily think that they tend to do second series for clubs you know they've done man city they've done juventus they've done tottenham and then they've done us they've never done a team twice and despite all the success of man city and that series um they never went back there I imagine that they'll start going to Chelsea or they'll start going to Manchester United or Liverpool. So I don't think they'll come back around to us anytime soon. Would I like to see it? Of course, any insight into the club is always greatly appreciated. But if anything, I think that Arsenal have their own ability to showcase plenty of what goes on inside the club. I think they've started to do that a lot more. We've seen that with the behind-the-scenes videos of the signings. You see a lot of people behind the scenes. You see how the players arrive, sign, all of that stuff. So the club do a really good job, I think, in terms of giving you behind-the-scenes content. But an Amazon series, obviously, second series would be, yeah, really interesting indeed. Um... Darren says, we uh, would using Balogun as part of the deal to get Caicedo be an option or is Balogun too valuable to lose? Interesting because Brighton are supposedly interested in Balogun. Could you use him to bring down the price of Moises Caicedo? Maybe. Would he want to go to Brighton? Not sure. It seems that Inter Milan look to be the club that are most ahead of every everybody else. Um, and if he was to go anywhere, I'd put my money on it being Inter Milan at the moment. But it's an interesting potential option for Arsenal is to see Balogun move to Brighton and that to take the price down somewhat of a deal for Moises Caicedo. Uh, Tabang says, do we really need a forwards? I mean, it's clear that we get goals from everywhere. Why not get a backup right wing, another DM and a backup goalkeeper? I don't think a backup goalkeeper is necessarily needed. 
I like Matt Turner. I think Matt Turner is a, is a really good number two goalkeeper. I think he's been one of the best number two goalkeepers this year um, of, of any goalkeeper at any club. I think he's been one of the best number twos out there. And at the Gold Cup and at the World Cup, he did really well for the US as well. I think he gets a hard time and is underrated actually as a goalkeeper. And it's really difficult to find backup goalkeepers. One of the hardest positions in a squad to try and, and upgrade upon and fulfill because who wants to come in and be a number two? You have to ask the question. Another DM, certainly, and a forwards. Well, forwards, quite a broad terminology of a position. You know, I think a forwards can play across the front three. If you're talking about a centre forwards, then maybe that's what you mean more specifically, a striker type person. I think that, you know, a right winger for me would be a greater necessity at the moment than what our centre forward is because we've got Jesus, we've got Ketia, we've still got Balogun, we've got Havertz who can play there, we've got Trossard who can play there. So, you know, that we are well stocked still in the middle, but at right wing, there aren't as many options. And that's why I'd be open to seeing a Kudus uh, come in uh, potentially as well. Uh, Liam says, thanks for the show, Tom. You're very welcome, Liam. Uh, do you think our rotation should be against lower level Premier League teams and stay strong against the bigger teams in Europe? I think both, Liam. I think you're going to see Arsenal obviously come up against sides in the Champions League, teams like Copenhagen, for instance, you know, teams that you could rotate against and still be expected to comfortably get a result against but also obviously if we're going up against a big team say the team from pot one in the champions league group stage or in the quarterfinals or whatever you know that you can then rotate in the premier league game before that i think that i think i saw a statistic to suggest that we are at home either before or after all of our uh, champions league games let me get the right statistic on that uh, I know it's. I know Markman Brian's tweeted out uh, the answer to this. Let me find Arsenal home champions. Found the tweet. Uh, yes, Arsenal are at home after all six Champions League group stage games. Spurs at home, Man City at home, Sheffield United at home, Burnley at home, Wolves at home and Brighton at home. So you think before Spurs and Man City, you'd want us to rotate a bit in the Champions League, get some rest in those players, potentially even Brighton as well. But the games against Sheffield United, Burnley and Wolves, when we have those games, that's match day three, four and five. You'd want us to maybe rotate a bit, maybe in the Champions League if you can, or you just play your two strong teams. Players are designed to be able to go two games every week. So you'd hope that we'd have, you know, the ability to be able to do that. Um, David says, love the chat on Ask Blog Tom. Very interesting, mate. Both great Arsenal platforms. Thanks, David. Uh, it was an absolute honor to be asked onto Ask Blog's channel uh, and podcast to talk about it. Uh, Andrew's done a lot of stuff for us uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, great to see and speak with him at Union Chapel as well for their live event. Um, certainly gave inspiration for us to try and you know, do a much smaller version of their live event, but one for TGT. So if you did go to Union Chapel and you really enjoyed a live podcast in London, I would recommend coming along to our one that we're going to be doing on the 13th of August. So yeah, make sure you check it out. It's uh, it's going to be a great event. And thanks, David, for your comment. Uh, let's go to Brighton. Uh, sorry, Nick, who says Brighton aren't ripoff merchants. They want to be successful and don't want their talent to keep being picked off every season. Certainly something that I've talked about. I think I talked about it in January. They had no need, no need to sell Moises Caicedo. People were saying, well, just bid 100 million and you'll get the job done in January. I think you could have bid 100 million in January and they still would have said no. He was worth more to them to go and try and get European football and end up getting Europa League football for next season. More valuable than getting any amount of money that they could still get a really good fee for in the following window this summer. So, 
yeah, Brighton are doing a great job in terms of what they're doing um, kind of from their perspective for recruitment and sales. What I would say is that now they're further up the table, now they're competing in Europe, they will have to change their strategy somewhat because they can't just keep spending small amounts of money on lots of players and hoping some stick. They're going to have to start making signings like Mahmoud Dahoud. You know, they're going to have to make signings that are more established, that's going to cost them more money. I know Dahoud was a free transfer, but they're going to have to do those types of deals as well to try and balance up some of the bigger spending that they need. They've not done as much this window as I thought they might do, but perhaps they're waiting to see what happens with Caicedo before they make some moves elsewhere in the market. Arise says, Tom, would you take Sesco? I want to see how he gets on at Leipzig this season. You know, he's moved this summer, um, so he's only transferred to Leipzig this summer. So let's see how he gets on. And if he does well, maybe he's a player that we could target next summer. Um, Guna Jake says, Tom, as Drew alluded to last night, do you agree that these players should be used to give the players more 70-minute games instead of complete rotation? Absolutely. And Arteta needs to be better at substitutions and in-game management. It's an area of his coaching that I think does need to be improved. And having players like Saka, like Martinelli, like Jesus, like Partey, like Rice, you know, players having 70-minute games, giving them enough rests, um, giving them an opportunity to, uh, you know, be taken off early is going to come through being successful in the first half. Taking early leads, taking two, three goal leads just after the break. That's what we need to be aiming for in most games. What we didn't do last season is we didn't blow teams away. You know, we were winning a lot of games by 2-1, 3-2, 4-2, 3-1. But we weren't winning by four, five, six goals like Man City do. We were on some occasions, very few games. Nottingham Forest comes to mind, obviously. But we weren't blowing teams away enough. And that is something that needs to change in the upcoming season. Even though we scored more goals last season in the Premier League than any other with 88, you know, we still need to look at trying to score more and blow teams away. That's how we're going to get rotation. That's how we're going to rest players. That's how we're going to be more competitive across multiple competitions is by scoring plenty of goals, giving the opportunity for rest and rotation and early substitutions and move forward into the next game with momentum and confidence. Uh, let's uh, puppy puppy weed <laughs> says, Have we won the window yet? Um, no, not yet. There's a long way to go, and I will not be saying that we've won the window until I've seen what all the business is between now and the end of the summer. Uh, three pointer says, Who is the likely sub for Saliba? I don't think we have any. Yes, we do. Yuri and Timber coming in means that we've got both him and Ben White that can be the subs. Tommy Asu's ability to play in either of the back two positions also gives you his presence in the side. If Saliba's injured, I think you've got two choices. You can play either Timber instead of Saliba and allow him to be the technical progressor of the ball uh, from centre-back like he was last season for PS uh, for Ajax. Sorry. Or you can put Timber at right-back or Tommy Asu at right-back and use Ben White as the option to replace William Saliba. So that's people forget, I think, a lot about Ben White being that player that can use you can use him in the right-sided centre-back position. Uh, DJ says, do you think Arteta has changed the way the club takes pre-season and how beneficial it's been for us, if at all? I think it gets us going so much better at the start of the season. Yes, last season we used it a lot. You know, we won the five or so games that we had. This summer, of course, we do have the matter of the Community Shield, which is going to, I think, create a bit of a challenge before the season starts to to really show what you're capable of. It kind of puts your cards on the table. And even though Liverpool beat Man City in the Community Shield last season, 
it didn't really mean much regarding the actual outcome. Liverpool finished outside the top four and City went on to win the league. Nunez, despite scoring in the Community Shield, was easily outscored by Erling Haaland. So, you know, it doesn't tell you a big, big story, but it can be an indication as to what things are to come. But I think momentum is what's really important going into the season. Uh... Wolves was obviously 5-0, but that, Nick, was obviously a game where it was the end of the season and it didn't matter. So it doesn't really count in the same way. Uh, Derek says, Tom, do you feel that we are missing out on targets while waiting for Saka uh, to happen? Or do you think we know exactly who we want and have made contact? I think that there's always Derek talks going on behind the scenes. I don't think we've missed out on Musa Diaby. If we wanted Musa Diaby, I think we would have gone in for Musa Diaby. Um, but we haven't because I don't think the club saw him as the right option. I talked at length last night with Drew about this on the tactical breakdown. So make sure that if you haven't watched that, you do, because it gave a really good explanation as to why Kudus seems to be an option instead of Musa Diaby. Um, Sega, oh, we've done that question, sorry. Uh, let's go to Mick Gunner. It says, who would be a realistic backup for Jesus if Nketiah and Balogun leave? Again, you've got Trossard there. Trossard did a really good job last season. We have Kai Havertz, who can potentially also play there too. And I think if we sign Kudus, who played at centre-forward for Ajax for a number of games last season, he also could act as another option. If Nketiah and Balogun leave, though, maybe there is scope to bring a striker in um, because I don't see both of them leaving. I don't think both of them will leave. I think there is scope for one of them to go, but let's wait and see. Um... Josh says, Tom, these shows are great. It's much appreciated. Thank you for your listenership. It is much appreciated. Uh, there is absolutely no way Urian Timber will not start most of our games, whether he's at DM or right back. Surely he offers so much more than Ben White. I think that's harsh on Ben White. I think it's really easy to get overawed by a brand new signing, by a new shiny toy. Ben White's fantastic. Ben White is a brilliant footballer and has been brilliant for us in the last two seasons. I think he's proven all of his doubters wrong and certainly put plenty of them in the mud. And actually, I think over preseason in the Nuremberg game, I think he stood out amongst others. I think he's got a great partnership with Bakaya Saka that could bleed into the international scene as well if he was to be recalled for England. And I think that Timber will offer certain things in certain games. I think that we've got options. Timber gives us options. I agree with you that I think Timber will be starting plenty of games. But I think that also you have to remember that Zinchenko's unavailability has been an issue. And maybe when he comes back into the side, Zinchenko, that leaves us to balance things out with Ben White on the right. Timber could play at right-sided centre-back as well, don't forget. So let's see what happens. I think we've got scope to change some things. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we do with the options in that defensive back line. Uh, Raf says, Arteta spoke about being unpredictable and Havertz may be playing up top, also incorporating the midfielders that we have. What other ways do you think that we can be unpredictable? It's a good question, this. I think that maybe you can change formations in certain games. I think maybe you could move to a back three if you wanted to. And I know that we play in something of a back three when we move forwards out of uh, when we're in possession. But I mean, start with a back three. I mean, have someone like Saka playing right wing back slash right wing and have Martinelli playing left wing back slash left wing and having three centre-halves be that white Saliba Gabriel or Timber White and Gabriel, or Timber Saliba Gabriel. And uh, having those three there, having Martinelli and Saka in the wide areas, and then you can have a 3-4-3 three, three, or a 3-5-2 three, or a 3-4-1-2 system where you play Jesus and Havertz up top with Trossard behind, with Partey and Rice holding things in the middle. 
you know, you could do it like that. So uh, there's loads of ways we can be unpredictable. I think you could use Jesus in a wide area and use Havertz up top or Trossard up top. I think things like that gives us so many different types of options. So there's definitely things that we can do that change the way in which we play that make us more unpredictable. And I think we've got loads of options. Kivior gives us different options, as Jason says, and he points out how good was Kivior at left back. And he has been very good at left back. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely ways in which we can use Tierney. You know, we can use Tierney, as Zane points out. So why not use him in a back three? He's played there on the left side of a back three, put Gabriel in the middle, maybe Saliba on the right side or Timber on the right side if you want to give Saliba a bit of a rest. Loads of options, and that's what we want. We want options, we want differences, we want variations in play so we can be as unpredictable as feasibly possible. Um, let's go to Alpha Dan says, Ben White only needs backup and rotational partners. Ben White looks drained, but having them rotate will be amazing. Absolutely. Uh, Chris says, hey, Tom, if we were to get Kudus along with Havertz, do you think that we can afford to sell Nketiah and Balogun? I'd still keep one of them, I think. Rather would keep Balogun, of course, at this moment in time. But I would keep one of them for sure. Um, Lucas says, what do you think of Kai Havertz? I listen to other podcasts and most of them say that he gives us the Urzil vibe. If we're doing well, he will get his flowers, but gets the stick if we're doing badly. I talked about this at length in regards to, I don't think the Urzil comparison is the right one. I think personally that what we've seen in the last three years at Chelsea is a player that's been misused, misrepresented, used out of position, still shone. You know, last season he managed to have like a ridiculous number of tier, like number one ranked um, metrics amongst the Chelsea players, even in a difficult season. And I think once we get him back to the style of play that he had when he was playing at Bayer Leverkusen, you will not be getting a player that plays like Ozil. Yes, he's tall, and that gives him something of a language style when he's moving about the field. But no, I think his defensive contributions are really good. I think he is good out of possession, and I think he will offer plenty out of possession. He just needs to get that confidence back, learn the ways of what Arsenal want from him. And I don't think Arteta wants to sign a player that doesn't have those traits. So I think we'll be fine with Havertz. And I don't necessarily agree outright with those Ozil comparisons. Um, let's go to... Dun, 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 um, Derek says, sorry, mate, typo. I meant waiting on sales. Oh, sorry. Sales to happen if we miss targets. It's not about waiting um, and then missing out on targets. I think that the, that the squad right now is in a really good place. If Partey stays, fine. You know, you've got midfield competition. If Tierney stays, fine. You've got options at left back. If Balogun stays, you've got options up top. Jesus can play on the right and rotate with Saka if you wanted him to. And Balogun could go through the middle in certain games, you know. So if the squad is as is and the window finished today, I'm fine with that. I think we've got a really good group. But relying on sales to move again for players, I don't think it's about a reliance on that. I think it's an opportunity. If we move, if we if players move on, then we move in the market. But I think if the window was to close tonight, we've had a nine out of 10 window. I think we've done really, really well with what we've got. I think we've got great options across the squad. And I don't think there is a, you know, a dis desperate need to sign a certain player. You know, you think about every position in the squad. You've got Ramsdale and Turner. You've got White, Timber, Tomiyasu. Um, you've got Saliba, Timber, White. You've got Gabriel, Kivior, Tomiyasu. You've got uh, Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Kivior, Tierney. You've got Partey, Rice, Jorginho. You've got uh, Trossard, Havertz, Vieira, Smith-Rowe. You've got Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Vieira, um, potentially Havertz as well in that 10-slash-right-eights uh, kind of role. 
You've got Saka, Jesus, Nelson, Trossard. You've got uh, on the left side, Martinelli, Trossard, Smith-Rowe, um, potentially even Nketiah who's played there. And at centre-forward, you've got uh, Jesus, Balogun, Nketiah, Havertz, Trossard. You know, you've got loads of depth in loads of positions. Yes, they're reliant on some players being versatile, but there's loads of depth in that squad. If the window closed today, we've still got Tavares and Lukonga and Pepe, you know, still, and Trusty, you know, still at the club as well. So, and Cedric as well. But they need to be moved on, you know. I th- And I think part of the window and giving it a rating as well. So let's say it's 8.5 if it closes now, because I think to get up to a nine, we need to be going and making sure we get the players out that we need to get out. You know, Pepe, Lukonga, Tavares, uh, saying that we're at a 7.5 right now if it closed is hev- is 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 far too strict i think blue well to say that you know we're still short quality wise i don't i don't see that argument at all if the window closed today feel free to come up with me with an argument to show that we're short quality wise i really don't think that we are short quality wise at all if the window closed today as i've just gone through the whole squad i really don't think that there is a shortness of quality in this group I think maybe we're, you could add another forward option. You could add another midfield option. Could is the key word, but it's not a must. We don't, we haven't got to must add a player in those positions. In previous windows, you know, in previous windows, I would be saying we have to add this guy. We have to add this position. But as the squad is right now, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that we have to add a player in a certain position. I feel that, yeah, we could. We could add another forward. We could add another midfielder. That'd be yeah, a great bonus to this squad if we gave ourselves another option. If you do add another centre mid and nothing changes, and you do add another forward and nothing changes, when are they going to play? You know, When are we going to use them? Because we've got loads of options already in this group. So I think that the thing that will get the rating up to a 10 out of 10 is if we can move all the players on that we want to move on for good fees. You know, your Pepe's, Lukonga's, Tavares, Holding, um, the players that I've mentioned already. And if we move on a player like a Partey or a Balogun, that we replace them really, really well with a really good player. Or we bring in a bonus option. But I think that right now we're about an 8.5. Get the players out that we need to get out. We're at a 9. And then a bonus signing would make it a 10. I really think that's where we're at right now. I think that we're in a really good position in terms of the window. I think rating at a 7 or a 7.5 out of 10, I think, is really harsh. I think it borders on a lack of context. I think it borders on a lack of understanding about where this squad is and a lack of appreciation maybe even for the players that already exist within it. We're always kind of in this new toys syndrome that a lot of us have. We want to see something new. We want to see more. But actually, no, when you sit back, take a step back, look at the squad, look at every position, look how many players can play in each position. We're really, really well stocked. Uh, Blue Wells says, on the right-hand side, we're light, lose Partey, which is a given. Um... It's not a given at all that Partey goes, by the way. It's not a Partey. It's not a given whatsoever. That I don't know where the suggestion is that it's a given that he's going to go because um, it's not at all, in fact. So if he was to stay, and as I've said before, it's, we're talking about if the window closes now, mate. You know, this is if the window closes today and the squad is as is, that means Partey is still here. It's easily an 8.5 easily an 8.5 and if we were to get the players out that we need to get out and Partey was to stay it goes up to a nine to say that we're right on the right light on the right hand side you've got if it if it closes today Saka Jesus Nelson Trossard can all play in that right side 
all say, all stay on that right side. If we lose Partey because of injury, you've got Rice and you've got Jorginho still here. I don't know why you're going to add a fourth quality option because Jorginho's quality, Rice is different level. So I don't really know. Again, I don't get the whole thing being light there if, if he gets injured because you've got Jorginho and Rice. If you add another option, you've got four. Name me another Premier League team that has four starting CDMs because I couldn't give you one. I couldn't give you another Premier League team that has four starting CDMs at all. So I think maybe you're not necessarily taking into account all of the options that we have in the context of what a football team at the Premier League level maybe has. Um, let's go to Lucas, who says, Tom, which pre-season game will define whether the team is ready to challenge? Uh, in the previous uh, pre-season, it was Chelsea's game. But what about this year? It's a good question. I think maybe you look at that Community Shield game against Man City and say that's going to be a really interesting game to kind of look to and say that, that's where Arsenal are right now, maybe. I know it's still a pre-season game, so it won't give us all the answers, but I think that's going to be potentially defining. It's the last game, obviously, before the Premier League season starts. You've got Monaco before that, uh, Barcelona and Man United before that. I don't think they're going to be defining, but I think that that Man City game could be really interesting to see where it takes us from now to the next level. Um, Wayne says, you know that a 10 means you're equipped to win the league and the Champions League, right? So I find a 7 slash 7.5 harsh uh, at all. Um, yeah, exactly. And you look at like what we're ready to do this season. You look at playing across multiple competitions and you look at the depth in each position in the squad and we got depth from goalkeeper to right wing to centre midfield. If we have the existing squad that we have, you've got depth in every single position in the squad. Um, let's go to... Uh, I'd love I'd love for you just to tell me, Blue Well, name me another Premier League team that have more than a Rice, a Rice, Jorginho and Partey. Just give me one team. In the world. I'll give you the whole world. Yeah, I'll be fair. Give me one team in the whole world that has more than three players at six as good as that. I'll wait, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear the answer. Um, Zunaid says, does Jorginho's lack of physicality not concern you? Think you've covered this in the past, but I need my concern assuaged. I think there are certain players. Um, I think there are certain players. And <laughs> City's just not an answer, is it? Um, I think there are certain players in this team and you consider what the the physical side of the game is Saka doesn't have loads of physicality uses his body in a certain way I think Jorginho is the same the same way that Fernandinho in some ways who was quite a slight player playing six to use his number six role in a certain way if you've got good anticipation and good technical ability good spatial awareness and timing it doesn't matter if you lack certain physical traits like Jorginho might do it's about what you do. Now, Jorginho won the Euros playing in that role. He won the Champions League playing in that role. He ousted Kante from that position in the Chelsea team and pushed Kante further forward when he was playing at Chelsea. He has not struggled lacking any kind of physical level. Uh, Real Madrid is the answer from some people in the chat books. So you've got uh, Chouameni. You've got um, Camavinga, I guess. They're not like... I wouldn't describe... I'd say Camavinga's best role is playing as an, a box-to-box. Chouameni, -box. Um, sure. Absolutely. You can play deep in the field. You can play Camavinga at six, sure. But I think he's better being influential in a, in a in an eight role. 
Um, Jude Bellingham's not a six. Valverde is not a six. Um, so I don't, I think they've got loads of eights, you know, really good eights. Um, I don't think the system of sixes is right because Valverde is not a six. <laughs> and Camavingo, I don't think his best position is a six. Uh, Jude Bellingham is not a six. So again, I'm I'm kind of asking. And if we're talking about Real Madrid, you know, that's the only team that we can think of that have more quality midfield options compared to Arsenal. I think we're in a blooming good position. A really, really good position. I think Cruz Nav has become a six as he's got older, as he's gone deeper. But I still think in his prime, his best position is always, again, it's it's not six. Modric is very similar. These are players that are influential central midfielders. I don't think they're central defensive midfielders. I think these are central midfielders. I think Real Madrid playing a certain style where they have one deeper midfielder, which tends to be, you know, it was Casemiro. You've got Chouameni. Sabios is even in the midfield these days as well, doing quite well. But City, you've got Rodri, you've got Phillips. Uh, who else? Stones plays at centre-back in a hybrid position. Um, so I don't think City... I mean, they, who, are the, who are the four options that City have who play six? I'd, I'd love to get the, the four options that City have that play six. So I don't know who they are. So again, I'll put the question. If you're listening on catch-up, I'd love to get your thoughts in the comment section below, down below. Name me a team in the world that has more specific number sixes than Arsenal do with Partey, Rice and Jorginho. So just that's all I want. It's just I want one team, just one in the whole world that have more quality, starting level quality number sixes um, than Arsenal do. Because I don't think there is one. So I think the calls to say that the needs are at six is a little harsh. Uh, DR says, sure, now let's reject answers based on which foot they use and whether they have a left hand with six fingers. DR thinks I'm changing the goalpost. DR, can you name me a team that has more number sixes, number sixes be, you know, clear than Arsenal? That is the question. That's what I'm asking you. More defensive midfielders, more number sixes, than Arsenal. Um, Josh says, Tom, instead of signing another midfielder, should Partey leave, how would you feel about Timber playing DM, such a silky operator? I think there's scope for it. I just don't, I'm just not convinced it because I haven't seen enough of it. You know, he's not played at DM for, for Ajax. I think he played one game at youth level. I mean, he can play there. He's self-professed to, to play there. But I don't think that, I'm not sure it's something I'd lean on at the moment. You know what I mean? Gamma says, you're making us sound quite defensive now, Tom. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Did someone say Kovacic? Kovacic is not a six. Um, who says Kovacic? That's certainly not a six. Um, Bluewell says, either way, Tom, right or wrong, we're still light if we're waiting to go deep in all competitions. So are Man City light then? because they don't have more than three number sixes. Are Real Madrid light because they don't have more than three number sixes? I just want an answer. You know, I, <laughs> that's all I'm asking for. I feel like this is like, when I do my phone-in shows, this is the type of argument that I live for. Because when I ask a question that doesn't have an answer, the only way forward is to go, ah, you know, actually, fair enough. I, you know, I don't have an answer to the question. So I just want the list. I just want to name a team that has more number sixes than we do, to make the argument that we're apparently light in midfield. That's what I'd love. Just, just that answer. Because so far, 
There's 1,400 of you watching. I'm still still waiting for one team. One team. Um, Chun Ho says, I think Man United have three sixes. Uh, McTominay, Casemiro and Fred, but they aren't great. <laughs> and even then, it's still the three, isn't it, Chun Ho? You know, they've still got the three. And I, I, if you ask me, would I do I think Man United need to sign a six? I'd say yes, but it's to replace McTominay and Fred, not to add to McTominay and Fred. They need to replace them. I think three options in that six role is plenty, is really plenty. I don't think that makes us light at all. Have I mentioned El Nenny? <laughs> Oli says Rice Partey and Jorginho. And we're even discounting El Nenny. We're even discounting Lukonga, but I would say that his best role is more as a box-to-box central midfielder as well. Wayne says PSG have got Agate, uh, Pereira and Verratti. Um, it's not a bad shout. Pereira isn't that great. Um, Agate is a really interesting player as well. Uh, Verratti, I think, can play with Agate. I think Verratti you'll see play kind of with that six and play slightly ahead. He could even leave, you know, could even play, even play further forwards. Um, so that'd be great. Uh, I'm going to assume I'm scrolling. I'm giving everybody the best chance possible. Uh, Bluewell seems to have ducked. I can't see any other suggestions for any other club in the world um, that has more CDMs than us. And so in conclusion, I think that we can come to the agreement that Arsenal have potentially the best three number sixes in the world. Are we going to go that far? Chelsea have got Enzo Fernandez. I mean, let's have a look at the Chelsea team quickly because I feel like I forget people quickly. Chelsea transfer marks. What options have Chelsea got to play number six? They could be up there. Uh, they've got Enzo Fernandez. They've got... Andre Santos, is he a defensive mid? I think so, but I haven't really seen much of him. We don't know how good he is yet. And they let they let a few players go, didn't they? They've let Kante go. They've let Ruben Loftus-Cheek go. Uh, they're pretty light. I guess they could do with a midfielder. That's probably why they're trying to sign Caicedo, you know. So they probably need to uh, find one as well. So, yeah, I don't think Chelsea are. But I think that it's not a bad thing to say that currently Arsenal, with Rice, Partey and Jorginho, have the three best number sixes as a group in the world. And therefore, I think I agree with NSW when I say the words case dismissed. Case dismissed. There is no other team that have more CDMs as good as what Arsenal do. And so to say that we are light in that position, I think is maybe a little bit harsh, would be fair to say. Right. There you go. There's your TGT rant for this morning. And uh, certainly... Uh, a good argument well had. Uh, we couldn't find another option in the end, but uh, thank you to everybody that's tuned in, everybody that's listened. Very much appreciated. Um, do you remember back in the day where we were crying out for a defensive midfielder? Uh, do you remember those days where we were like, we, we haven't replaced Gilberto Silva since we lost him, and now we have three? <laughs> it's crazy. I think even Arteta might have even said this as a quote after the game in the MLS fixture. Um, thank you everyone uh, thank you everyone for tuning in it's very much appreciated if you enjoy these types of chats you're based in London as well and you can attend our live event make sure that you do 13th of August uh, Sunday day after the Nottingham Forest game tickets are down in the description if you'd like to come along um, and uh, yeah have a fantastic evening with us as we talk football with FK Harry Simu Mike Feinberg and Bailey Keogh please make sure that you get your tickets the link is down in the description have a fantastic day people and as always, up the Arsenal. 
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.